You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. I'm so glad you joined for another episode of Enneagram and Marriage. Today, I'm so glad that we get to chat with author Meredith Boggs. She has a new book out that we're going to be talking about. It's already on pre-order, and we are getting such a benefit today because as we take a quick pause between our intimacy month and we're heading on into our health and fitness month, we're just stopping to pause and to take a reminder of some spiritual truths, knowing that when we just try to do everything in our own strength, that sometimes we fall flat on our faces and we're like, oh my gosh, we're months into this year. We're trying to do everything accordingly and things fall apart. <laughs> so we need to make sure that we are guarding our hearts with spiritual practices that will help us through these different areas we're trying to work on. So that's why I'm so thankful Meredith is joining us today. And of course, we're going to share a couple little things about health and fitness. I'm just going to ask her about that. But if you're doing the Enneagram and Marriage Glow Planner with us, turn the page and you guys can head right on in. But otherwise today, we're literally talking all about how we can incorporate silence, solitude, and stillness into our days. And you'll hear Meredith talk about which types need which practices. And we're also talking about the spiritual aspects of the Enneagram that I feel are less discussed, which are virtues as well as the essence of each type. So I hope we all really get that sense of spiritual replenishment in our weeks as we're putting on all these other practices. I know for me, I've had a very busy summer, the second half of summer. First, you might remember me saying I was writing a lot, and then I've been traveling or taking care of nieces and nephews, and my kids have had a lot of camps. So for me, as we've talked in the past, the rhythms are different in the summer. I have found that my spiritual time with God has been everything to me, like literally everything. I said it on my Instagram this weekend and I was just like, oh my gosh, like an hour. I was reading beautiful Suzanne Stabile's book from last year that she wrote that I'm really getting a lot out of too, The Journey Toward Wholeness. And she's reminding me to get into feelings. And if you're, depending on your stance and your type, there's different things she reminds you of. So really perfectly paired with my quiet time with God as all of these visits with family and all the caretaking, I've had a lot of feelings. So it's been really safe and good to bring them to God. Yes, I have friends. Yes, I have wise counsel. And yes, I have family. But to just have some time with God, and I want to say which my spiritual practice is that Meredith's sharing today, but I'm going to save that for her. 
These times have been so precious to me. So I hope this episode is replenishing to you. Yes, we're entering health and fitness month. Yes, Wes and I set our goals. I'm going to be doing core workouts and more Pilates. He's going to be doing more. He wants to do a Chris Pratt sort of workout. And he knows that he's not like Chris Pratt as far as build, but he's like, I want to get stronger again. Wes has a very lean build. So it's something that he has a goal for. And so we're always having fun when we come to a month where we are dedicating to a certain practice, but above and beyond that, our spiritual practice is way bigger and way more important. So I hope you guys have both of those things in place as we're heading into August, knowing we want to replenish and reuptake before the busy year begins. Um, But I hope you're having a fun summer and I hope you're making it through the heat with us. I don't know what you're doing, but we have had some times in the water here in Florida just to get by. And so we've also had a lot of good times in the AC. You might remember me saying we were doing movie months and we had a finish of movies with crawdads and I think we're on a movies break for a little while other than at home occasionally but we've also been reading the chronicles of Narnia out loud at night with my nieces and nephew and it's been a really fun time for Wes he does all the voices and I'm entertained by that and so it's been neat to have a reading rhythm instead of just always that nighttime show or movie. So whatever summer rhythm you're finding, I hope you find your way back to peace and togetherness. And I hope this episode brings you even farther into that. I can't tell you what a delight it is to get to chat with Meredith. She is a bright and clarifying Enneagram 8. She has an awesome family. And I can't wait for you guys to get to hear about her life, her book. And I just think you're going to be so replenished and refreshed by this episode. And I always have it the goal of these podcasts for me anyway, is that you guys would be refreshed. But I felt like even talking to Meredith refreshed me. So that was my favorite takeaway from this episode, along with what we were reminded of in terms of how we can grow. So I won't be greedy. I want to share. I hope you love the episode with Meredith as much as I am having fun listening and re-listening to it myself. Let's chat with her. Hey, Meredith, we're so happy to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. We've just been having a ball already chatting, guys. Lots of energy here with seven and eight, right? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I hope you guys really enjoy getting refreshed today. Meredith is amazing. You know from our intro that she's an author and love you love your home state of Tennessee, right? Oh, yes. Tennessee girl. It's amazing. We love your beautiful state. And do you live in Nashville or Franklin or anywhere whereabouts? I live in Nashville on the east side of the town. I actually grew up close to like the Brentwood Franklin area, but my husband and I, we live on the east side now and the food over here is just so good. You know, I have a lot of friends who are like having kids and moving out to the suburbs. And I told him the other day, I was like, Justin, I just don't know. Like, I mean, I get the appeal for the suburbs, but I was like, I think the food, like, I just can't, I can't leave the coffee shops, the bakeries. Like I can't leave the food over here. It's just too good of a situation. So yes, oh my we gosh. Love it. I love it. And spoken like a true eight, like, you know, we are in it. If you're an aggressive, assertive type with us, you're in it for these yummy treats that we need between oh, yeah. all the hard work. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I love it because everyone listening knows we're talking health and fitness. (laughs) 
<laughs> this oh, month. Yes. Um, but what's so beautiful about this is I think that both of us would agree. We would never want people to be without their treats because that's oh, yes. totally fun and reasonable <laughs> as long as you're not going cray cray. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so tell me about like briefly before we get into our wonderful topics with you today on, we have so much to cover. Would you help us to understand like, just what's one thing you do for health and fitness? Yeah, I actually, um, so I think like anyone, you know, it's kind of a journey and, um, mm. I've taught, you know, I kind of like start back in high school and in college, mm. I really struggled with an eating disorder and like the Lord has just mm. really done a transformational work in my life. And mm-hmm. just with like that, and just approaching like food and nutrition and exercise with a really healthier mindset of like how this is like, it's not, it's not about starvation and deprivation and punishment. It's about like nurturing and fueling and caring for my body. And so, um, it's just been, I just have really loved over the years, the journey that he's brought me on. And I am a, I'm like a quasi crossfitter. I go to a gym that Mm. does CrossFit workouts, but we're not affiliated. I know that that's kind of like controversial and they were, (laughs) you know, they were in some hot water last year for some not great stances that they took. And I was not real pleased with it, but I was like, you know, it's like really good conditioning workout. So that's what I normally do. I also in the last several years have gotten into yoga. Um, I usually do like either the hot 26 or more of like a restorative Mm. to kind of bring that balance to the high intensity of the CrossFit workouts. And the older I get, the more I'm like, man, my body needs this so much. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where you'll find me. I also have an 18 month old. So we're just, we're outside all the time. We're going on walks. We're at the park playing. So a lot of just like fitness and activity like that is built into my lifestyle now. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's where, that's where you'll find me. Oh my goodness. And you just saying it's not about deprivation is such an important piece for people who are trying to figure out how to deal with, like, I can tell you're very mind, body, heart, spirit, like it's going to be finding healthy rhythms versus like nothing is allowed. Yes. Yeah. I think it's so like, it's so restrictive and it's, that was never like, never the way that we were intended to live. And I do Mm -hmm. think that there's benefit. I mean, even spiritually, like there's benefit for seasons of like fasting, whether that's like fasting from actual food or fasting from other things. Like there are rhythms and rituals that can be really beneficial, but overall it's not about deprivation. It's like, that's not the way that we were designed to live or that God wants us to live. He made so many things that are good. And as man, like we've come along and we've created a lot of things that are good too. And we've also created a lot of things that are not so great. Um, mm-hmm. But kind of going back to, like you said, it's like everything in moderation is okay. I definitely am one. I already talked about the food situation in East Nashville. That's I am very funny. much like, you know, I don't, I, I used to live in a very regimented place of like, I had to like earn, you know, and I had to earn this treat. And now it's just like, you know, I wanted some soft serve ice cream this weekend. So we went to this new place over in East Nashville and mm-hmm. just didn't think twice about it. And so there's so much that it's like, we have the freedom to enjoy and indulge in. Um, that's also balanced with like discipline and caring for our bodies. And um, mm. yeah, so. Mm, that's really balance. cool. Oh, I love that. And yeah, it's beautiful for people to hear from an eight who also you do fitness and we know that you do. Um, sounds like you're saying it's not just this kind of like the food thing. It's not this just ritual that gets checked off. It's in and through your life where you're very yeah. active as a parent and you're doing the yoga. And I think that kind probably has some breath work to it. And yeah. so there's all kinds of different ways that you're getting fit and 
what's amazing is you've also been able to write a book and run a great Instagram. And thank you for just sharing your leadership in the world so much. I'm so excited to talk about your book today. You have so much to teach us. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here and to talk about all the things. Yes, me too. I'm so happy I got to read The Journey Home. You guys are going to love it. But first, I think our audience would just love to hear more about you as a person in this whole scenario. And you're going to get this in the book too, you guys. But um, we would love to just hear how you and Justin met and all about his type too. Oh, yes. Um, well, so we actually met, we met at middle school church camp. Um, oh. I know, like, what in the world? And um, then we actually, we went to the same high school. So we didn't start dating until high school, but then we dated through high school and college um, for six years and then got married within the year of graduating. So pretty young, 20, 22 year old bride. Aww. And yeah. And then we've been married for almost 10 years now. So it's just really sweet. I think the longer that we're together, I just look back and see God's providence and his kindness and his faithfulness over our story, just over our life and our marriage. And, you know, I think, I think anything worth having, you have to work hard for, and there are seasons you really have to fight for it. And there are seasons that are just really sweet. Um, and we have had all of those in our, um, in our relationship and our marriage. Um, but yes, so I am a type eight. I actually learned about my type before we started dating, which was really unique, I think, to have known at such a young age. I was actually in counseling for my eating disorder at the time that I was introduced to the Enneagram, Mm -hmm. took a test and typed as a type one, which I think is very common that people mistype Mm -hmm. on test. And, um, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things looking back that it's like, yeah, of course, like I checked all the boxes for a type one, all those behaviors Mm -hmm. were there because I was entranced in an eating disorder. But when I read, um, when I started reading about it and the motivations behind each type and the core fears. And I was like, Oh, I'm not a one. I am a hundred percent an eight. Um, mm-hmm. so I learned that I think my sophomore year of high school, we started dating a couple years later. And then he, he was introduced to the Enneagram by me. Cause you know, once you get in the Enneagram world, you like got to tell all your friends about it. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, and he, it was funny because he for a while. And he'll even say this. He like said that he was a seven for a long time, like always just like always went with the seven. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he was in college that he, that he was like, all right, let's just like cut, let's just come clean about it. Like I'm not a seven, I'm a three, mm-hmm. but, and he always yeah. says that when he, when he realized that he was a type three, he was like, oh no, like mm-hmm. you would see the worst parts of yourself on display and highlighted. And you're just like, oh no, nobody can know this. And so that's why he was like, oh yeah, I just like, you know, blended in with this seven persona for so long and just ran with that. Um, but the Lord has also done such a transforming work in his life. And the Enneagram has been, has been a part of that work. And so mm-hmm. now he, he owns it and he's like, yeah, I'm a type three. And here's like, here's the struggles of a type three. And, um, and he also really beautifully exhibits the strengths and the, and the virtue and the essence of a type three. So, but having a three and an eight in a relationship <laughs> has yeah. been, it's been pretty wild at times, <laughs> two types in the assertive stance. And so there's not a lot that we won't talk about. There's not a lot of like feelings that go undisclosed. Um, it's mm-hmm. very much like it's very open, very honest communication, which is a strength. And also at times, like as an aide, I just have to tell myself, I'm like, you know what? You just need to let this one go and it's not worth it. And it's just not necessary. Like 
we don't, we don't need to have conflict here. So there's been, it's, it's been a really sweet journey of growth and transformation, but yeah, type three and type eight. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, we know that you guys really do soar together. Like we really love that pairing and we've seen it with a lot of leaders as I'm sure, you know, so it's exciting and you both are leaders. So I'll make sure to let the audience know that your husband has an Instagram too. And he's got a lot of people that love to learn from him, right? Yes, he does. Um, we actually, it was funny a couple years back, he was like, you need to start doing a podcast. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it, not doing it, not doing it. And then finally said yes. And so it's actually, we haven't released a season in quite a while. That's like on the, on the list of things coming, but, uh, but that's something that we did together, which was really fun. And, um, he also, he actually got trained in the Enneagram before I did in Suzanne Stabile's cohort, her life in the Trinity ministries. And so he's huge in the Enneagram space and loves it as well. And, but yeah, so it's been a really, it's been a really fun connection point for us in our relationship. Oh my gosh. And you guys are just doing your work. I can tell, and I'm sure you loved his type threeness at the beginning, like you said, in the great ways, and you both are continuing to do your work now. What was it that you especially loved about each other at the beginning? Do you think that sparkle, that zest? Yeah. You know, I, one thing I love about threes and was a hundred percent who he was, is they're just visionaries. They can see the world. They're a really good mix of like idealist and realist. Like they've got, they know how to get from point A to point B. And they also are like huge idealist of just like seeing the world and everything in it at its fullest potential. And it's really neat. I think having, having had him in my life for so long that He's been one of the biggest champions for any endeavor, any dream that I've ever set out on. Um, mm. And as a type A, like, you know, I'm very like future oriented. I've got the like, I've got the tools in my tool belt to get stuff done. But he also definitely helps me have a lot more fun along the way because, and you know, threes and eights are both like this. They can very much get in the work zone um, and just like, you know, charging ahead. But he also really helps me balance out and have fun. Um, he's got a pretty strong four wing. And so mm-hmm. he has a very creative side also that can mm-hmm. slow down and really see the beauty in life when I would just be content to keep charging ahead. And so that's something that, especially as he's gotten older, it's come out a lot more and it's been a really huge gift to me, mm-hmm. but definitely that visionary piece, I think is what I initially loved so much about him and um, still really love about him. Oh my gosh. That is just gives me chills of how cute that is. Especially when you say he's doing his work and like just Mm -hmm. seeing that side of the four and how much people can't be rigid with the Enneagram. Like that's so nice that we're reminding everyone listening, like whatever type you are, you want the best of all the types. So it's nice to hear how he's done some work. And I think that positions our audience really to learn from you guys because you you have had such wonderful training and marriage work for a, almost a decade. I really love that you've got this beautiful book with Zondervan. Can you tell us a little bit about it as we get started? I have a couple questions for you, but tell us a little bit about the journey home. Yeah. So the journey home is the title of it. And it is a biblical guide to using the Enneagram to deepen your faith and relationships. And honestly, the heart behind this book, we were talking about this a little bit earlier is Mm -hmm. it's written for a Christian audience. And there is definitely a portion in there. If you are more in the conservative camp of you're like, I don't know if I should be engaging with the Enneagram. I've heard some weird things about the origin of it. Is Mm -hmm. it okay 
there's definitely like, it is for that crowd, but also really my heart was for this, for my millennial generation of people who are really spiritually on the fringes that maybe have grown up in church, been really burned by it. And still, I think the pandemic, you know, churches shut down for a while. And so a lot of people just really never found their way back into the church, um, into the church pews every Sunday for this regular rhythm and have kind of like, you know, moved into some deconstruction and are at this place of like, I really still like believe some of this, some of this, I don't, I still love God. And I want to have a relationship with him, but I just like, I don't know how to, or it just feels really like broken. And but they have found they've really connected with the Enneagram and have wondered how can I use this to, you know, continue on my spiritual growth journey. So really that's my heart for who this book is for. And it goes through all the different nine types, the nine different Enneagram types, and just walks through each of their, their sin tendencies, their virtues, the essence, and then really practical spiritual practices to help them continue to grow. So that's kind of like the bird's eye view of the, of the book. Mm, Oh my goodness. That's going to be so helpful for people. And I love that you're thinking about audiences who both have a faith as well as both who are shy of faith or maybe Mm. even had one, but it's just confusing out there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's where a lot of people are. I've talked to so many Christians that they're like, I still love Jesus. And also like, I'm really put off by the way that the church collectively has handled the past couple of years with everything from like the pandemic to all these other political issues that have come up. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sitting here like, I mean, I've like sold out, love Jesus all day long. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like the way that Christians collectively in the church has responded mm-hmm. is like pretty divisive and it's really hard. And so it's like, but how do we like still hold our faith and still experience true spiritual transformation in the midst of feeling really put off by the rest of this? So yeah, so that's my hope is that it really gives, I have a friend that she calls it. She's like, I just want to give people handlebars for their faith. And I love that vision. She's a fellow eight. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, like people need handlebars on their bike so that they can like, Mm -hmm. you know, steer in what direction to go. And so I really hope that that's what this book is for people is that it gives them really practical, tangible ways to grow themselves and to also connect and engage in relationships with people in their life. Mm, I think you're on point. I'm so glad you and your friend two eights together (laughs) make the world go round. I mean, that is just on. So I'm glad because people do need ways to live well and that will help to coincide. Maybe faith comes back, like you said, in another season. And now they have had, instead of uh, addictions forming or issues that have created even more life problems here on the side of heaven, instead, they're able to kind of just more naturally head back in and say, oh, okay, I see that people are broken, but that God is for me. So I love hearing that. And that takes us right into our topic of the Enneagram virtues and the term essence. I love how you integrate these. I think they're a bit under discussed in the Enneagram world. So I was wondering if you could talk to our audience a little bit about that. Yes, I love virtue and essence. And part of why I love it so much is because all, and this is where I love how dynamic the Enneagram is. And I'm sure you can jump in here with me and nerd out that it's like, it's dynamic and there's so much movement. And so, yes, like we have our core type, we have our wing, but we have our types that we access in stress and security. And especially if we're 
growing in, in a healthy and integrative way, we really have the ability to access the different virtues of each type to continue to grow in those. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think um, just to define the two, because um, they can get a little bit confusing. Mm -hmm. I, the word virtue is really, I mean, the definition of it is moral strength, high character, this bravery, courage. And so that is, I tell people, especially if you're coming at it from the Christian perspective, they don't necessarily, um, it's not necessarily the fruits of the spirit, although you will see a lot of the fruits of the spirit in the virtues for the different nine types. And then the essence, I think Suzanne Stubiel actually has the best the best kind of definition of essence. She said, this is the, this is that moment when Christ in me meets Christ in you. I and I think that's, that. it's so beautiful. And especially mm -hmm. as like this, the truth that we are image bearers, that we were imprinted with God's image. Man was the only thing in all of creation that he made in his image. It's like, that is so beautiful that we carry that piece of us, that light and that love that other people see in us. that's unique and it's an imprint of God on us. And so Anyways, the virtues are different for each type as well as the essence, but that's kind of like the, the overview and they really are. I mean, I'll run through them real quick. The type mm. eight virtue is truth. Type nine is love. Type one is perfection. Type two is humility. Type three is hope. Type four is origin. Type five is transparency. The six is faith and seven is wisdom. And I even like reading back through those, I'm just like, oh, I love that. Um, and even like for you as a type seven, just even in our conversation, I think mm -hmm. sevens that you can tell like you who have been on this journey and who have been doing their work, they have this deep wisdom and it, and it comes from this place of, and it, it, this is where it like correlates with their essence. The essence of a type seven is sobriety. And it's like, yes, it could be in the traditional sense of like sobriety from a substance or something, but it really is this mm -hmm. groundedness that they approach life with this metered pace that they approach. And instead of being like these rabid consumers of experiences and the next thing when they really show up and are present to the moment they bring this tremendous wisdom mm -hmm. to the rest of us um and mm -hmm. so that's like the part of the enneagram that i love when people are living in they're they're living out that virtue and giving that gift to the rest of us and even looking through the rest of these like love humility hope faith it's mm -hmm. like we need those things so much in our life and that's how the body of christ is so beautiful in its diversity and its gifts um and also in ways that it's like oh i want to be more like my six friends and really grow in that virtue of faith or like my seven friends and grow in wisdom so mm. yeah i can nerd out about it all day long but oh the virtue and essence are just really beautiful parts of it Yes. And it's so funny because we've done a little bit of discussion on virtue, but not that much. And I think that it's really something we've dug a little deeper into our Enneagram Glow Planner, but less on the podcast. And it made me so happy to see that in your book because I know Enneagram is only at this moment in time gaining in popularity. And yeah. I know that there's more and more books coming out. I'm hearing that through the grapevine. And I'm so excited because I think, like I said, everyone listening, her book talking about these issues are pieces that people miss out on a lot who don't do the yeah. deeper dive. And yet you bring it to us with that wonderful truth that you mentioned yeah. so beautiful because you have this exuberant life energy. But something I also love about eights is I think eights are great clarifiers for us. And a seven like me can spit out, you know, a lot of words. And then an eight can be like, <laughs> So you mean this? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so reading your book is phenomenal. 
Well, thank you. That's so kind. Yes. And so tell us a little bit about when it comes to some of the practices for the types to approach our health, because I realize that we often look at what we could be and yet we're visionaries and we don't know how to get there. And something I loved about you and others books I've read, but have not talked a lot about on this podcast. So I was extra excited about this are the cardinal practices of the type stillness, solitude, and silence. And I wondered if you could tell us about which types do what, I don't know if that's okay. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love, this is like the stuff that I just love talking about because it's ultimately mm-hmm. it's, it's transformation. It's our journey of sanctification as Christians. Um, mm-hmm. and it, a lot of times it's nonlinear and it can get really hard and grueling, uh, but it really is beautiful. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so the uh, spiritual practices for each type, um, it's broken down into triads. So for the eight, nine, and one, their spiritual practice is stillness. For the two, three, and four, there's a solitude. And the five, six, and seven, there's a silence. And again, the Enneagram is so multifaceted and layered that when you really dive into it, it's beautiful. Um, so for the eight, nine, and one, this stillness, it looks a little bit different for each type. Um, the eights and the ones, it's usually like finding physical stillness because they are just constantly going and doing nines. A lot of times they don't have as much, they don't have as much issue with this physical stillness, but for them, it's this stillness that actually awakens their soul and their mind nines. Um, they can really slip into a state of like just being spiritually asleep or slothfulness. That's their sin tendency. And so for them, Mm-hmm. A lot of times engaging in this practice of stillness is actually what wakes them up to themselves, to their wants, their needs, their desires, to the work that's set before them on their journey of transformation. Um, mm-hmm. And I was actually talking to someone recently about like, just kind of getting granular about like, what do these practices actually look like? Um, for me as a type eight, it literally means physically sitting still. And so mm-hmm. on the mornings that I am lucky enough to wake up before my 18 month old, <laughs> I will sit on my couch for 10 minutes and just be still. And my mind, you know, wanders to a hundred different directions. And I just try to practice stillness of body and also stillness of mind. Mm-hmm. And also too, it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be that, that black and white. I, you know, I talked about my, how I've gotten into yoga the last few years. Anytime that I go to a restorative class, that is really an opportunity for me to also practice this stillness of like really slowing down life, being present in the moment, all the breath work, the longer holding of poses. Um, And so that's another way for me to practice stillness for the type two, three, and four, their spiritual practice is solitude. So I love this triad. They are very like everything that two series and fours do the way that they see the world, the way they operate is in relationship to others. Mm -hmm. And so for them to really get to a place of um, connection with God, they have to, they have to remove themselves from that dynamic of being in relationship with others. And there's a huge beauty and strength and gift to that. And it's also kind of like their Achilles heel that when twos get (laughs) so fixated on like, you know, twos can slip into this place of it's not really service. It's like, they're doing things for other people to earn this love and value um, that they feel like they need. And, you know, threes can get on this stage of performance. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for those in that triad, getting alone with themselves and with God really kind of 
recenters them in this place of who they are in relationship to God and not who they are in relationship to other people. Um, Mm -hmm. And so again, that practice is one that like, yes, I think sometimes, you know, for my type three husband, he needs to be physically alone. Um, But it also Mm -hmm. can just be like, you can be in a place surrounded by people. You can go, you know, on a walk down the streets of New York city and there's people all around and you're still alone with yourself and you're alone with God. And you are specifically mm-hmm. and mindfully using that time to disconnect from others so that you can reconnect with yourself and God. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ways for these practices to be, you know, kind of fluid um, and just different in terms of how you integrate them. Yeah. Very um, nuanced. I love that. Yes. Yes. Um, and then silence. I would love to hear, your in your take on this as well, but silence for the five, six, and seven is their spiritual practice. And again, it's it's different because it'll be a little bit different mm-hmm. for each type. But the fives, any five would be like, oh yes, give me silence mm-hmm. all day long. But really for them, the purpose of the silence isn't so that they can, you know, ratchet up that mental activity and that thought process even more. It's to bring them to a place of silence within themselves and with God so that they can focus on his sufficiency. Um, and you know, the same with six and seven, it's a little bit different. Um, I talked to a six last week and she was like, I can't like, I have to have a podcast going or a show in the background. Cause she was like, if I don't, then like my anxiety gets to a fever pitch. And, <laughs> um, and so, and I was like, yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, and the thought of silence is just like, no, that's terrifying. But I think too, that there's a way to incorporate. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be so black and white. It doesn't have to be physical silence. Maybe it's instrumental music in the background where it's like there, it's not, it's not physical silence, but you are engaging in this practice for the purpose of, fixating and focusing on God instead of your circumstances that might be causing anxiety for the sevens. A lot of it's being present. Um, Mm. and, and you've already talked about that a little bit with being, you know, future oriented sevens, like they're planners, they're, they're doers, they're, you know, it's constantly about the next thing. And so that silence really helps them orient themselves to the present and grounding them kind of in that wisdom and sobriety that we talked about. Um, Mm. so yeah. Wow. You really like just brought those home. I mean, I loved not only this guys, but inside of her book, there's treasure troves of depths on each of the, like uh, we just went through them on triads and you were so kind to give us a taste of each one, but there's even way more in your book. And I would say with sevens, it is of course nuanced with everybody because we go to different wings and arrows and all that. But I do love how you're just reminding us and I'm laughing because sometimes my silence could literally be me bouncing on a ball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm still moving, but I'm bouncing and my family laughs really hard because we'll just be talking, but I'm listening. (laughs) I'm silent and I'm bouncing. And they're like, you're hilarious. Or (laughs) I was doing that with Wes last night and we were just cracking up because he's talking to me, but then we can find our rhythm out of whatever movement. Maybe it's jogging, maybe it's something cardio, but then we can find our way back to the rest, which I always think of my favorite life verse, come to me, all you who are tired yes. and weary, and I will give you rest. So I think that four or five, six, seven, 
to get a bit of silence in whatever capacity does look like some rest, but we might have to take a route to get there because maybe we have too much energy or we're a bit scattered. So I know all three of the types can deal with all of that. So it's nice to work through the anxiety and then get to some place of quiet rest. And I love how you mentioned with fives feeling the competency and like God's strength comes through when we're weak. So it's okay too, if we're not always competent, like, cause yeah. we're not always right. We make mistakes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's also, I, it's also just where the Enneagram is where you can learn so much from other types and where you can grow, you grow more in your relationship with Christ and your journey of transformation by the gifts that the others offer. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like my type six friends, it's like, Oh, I like, am so inspired by their courage and their faith. And it really fuels my faith and strengthens me. Um, you know, watching, I have a really good friend who's a seven and she's walked through two extremely painful years of devastating loss and just watching how the Lord has used that to transform her, um, in our, you know, in her young twenties, she would have like booked a trip to Europe and just run off and like drown her sorrows, um, in some pizza and some red wine in Italy. But, you know, she's really stayed present to the pain. And because of that, it has been such a gift through a really painful season in my life. Um, mm. And it's like, who would have ever thought that from a seven, but it's like so beautiful when these other types are really leaning in and doing their work um, spiritually mm. and how much they can encourage and empower the rest of us on our own journey. So, mm. oh my gosh, yeah. that's so cool. Just picturing a seven and an eight going through the depths together, slowing down together just taking a breath and feeling like they don't have to run so hard. What a gift you guys have been to each other in that way. It really, it really is sweet. Um, and you just, and you also look back on your journey and you look at the people that God brings into your life and you're like, how kind and how providential of him mm-hmm. to bring people in. And especially like, you know, so much of your work is centered around marriage and relationships that it's like, there are absolutely seasons in every relationship. Some are really sweet and some are really refining, but it's like, how kind is God to bring us a partner that will be with us through the years and the seasons that really is such a friend, but also, um, but also a person that helps us grow and is part of our transformation and our refining. So it's Mm. just, it's just all really beautiful. It is. And I think it's a process. So I think there's probably nothing more important than what you said in terms of just the way that people have to work on finding the the best styles to exhibit these traits of stillness for eight, nine, and one solitude for two, three, and four and silence for five, six, and seven, because honestly, your spouse isn't going to know what to do when you start showing up like this, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, um, they have this, uh, saying in the recovery world and you might be familiar with it from your background, but, and I might butcher it, but it's something about the only thing, the only thing that doesn't change in recovery is everything. Um, and so Mm -hmm. this idea that it's like, when you start to like lean in and do your work and pick up rocks and uncover things it, it changes everything. And which can be hard when you come, when you have a family of origin and certain like systems and processes that you've always played roles in or been a part of, it gets really disruptive. And also the gift of it is that you start to become someone new and different, someone that's transformed and like what a gift that is to your spouse and to the people that you are in relationships with how this transformation is 
how it, how it impacts you and how it impacts your relationships too. So it's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I know that the longer we've been together and even with our kids now helping us to find rhythm, sometimes there's things that even your family and your friends can help you in ways that your spouse might deliver a shadow to you. Whereas I'm hard for Wes to get stillness around me which is what he needs. But my daughter, Melody, who's a nine, he and her, where they have a strength is they can just chill and watch Dude Perfect together. (laughs) And I'm upstairs getting my silence, which none of them understand at all because they're four (laughs) social subtypes. And so it's so funny because I'll turn on that, you know, white noise, louder Alexa, you know, and just round them out and go into my head for a bit. And they're like laughing, but also just being still finally as a one is such a a gift to him. So I can't speak to these practices enough. I hope that if you guys aren't familiar with them or if like Wes and I, you and your spouse are sabotaging each other unintentionally, (laughs) that you'll hear what Meredith is saying about like, find your specific rhythms, right? Yes. Yeah. And I love that too, the unintentionally sabotaging. I think that that's like, it happens and you know, you don't mean for it to, you don't want for it to, but it is part of it. And I also think that that's how like that's again, how beautiful the body of Christ is. And it's like, Mm -hmm. even within marriage, like you, like, we're not the end all be all for our spouse. It doesn't ride on us. Like we can't complete them. That's only Mm -hmm. like, that's only what God can do. But Mm -hmm. it also really highlights the importance of really diversifying your relationships and making Mm -hmm. sure that you have friends and you have other people in your life who are, um, yeah, who can really balance out those parts of you so that you're not unintentionally sabotaging each other. So yes. And I love it too, that you brought up friends because the truth is like, I have friends who can sit with me in ways that Wes can't. And I actually have friends and my daughter's teen friends make fun of me because I did a talk with them and I'm like, I can rest anywhere now that I know that I need this silence and they laugh. But then a couple of them who are like eights were like, Oh, like a seven and an eight in the class were like, Oh my gosh, you mean I could take a break from all my crazy dancing and scheduling. And I could like rest for two minutes somewhere. And like, so they got it, you know, and they needed it. But there's a lot of people who are like, I'll tease you about it and make fun, but just let them because it is funny. Like laugh at yourself. We have to find these crazy little maneuvers, but then some people get us. And when you have a friend that gets you, like my friend, Amy, if I come to her house and she's a two and I'm like, not well rested, like happened recently. I scheduled four things in one day. I'm a self-preserving type. It was way too many, about two, maybe three was best, but it just so happened to be a very unusually busy day. And by the time I got there, I knew that on a normal day, I could be like, Amy, I need a rest. But it was like, not today. We had stuff to do. Uh Like you also can't take advantage of your friends. So I just powered through. I was like, get out of your self-preserving type. You can do this. Put your eight wing on and be a big girl. (laughs) And so like I was a good friend to her versus just like accepting the grace of like, can I lay on your couch while I'm over here? (laughs) Yeah. Which that's so beautiful. And it's like, like, you know, like you said that it's like friends are able to give us something that our spouses you know, yeah, maybe they can't, or maybe that's just not their strength. And so it's like, how, how wonderful is that to have friends like that, that you, Mm -hmm. yeah, that you can like call up and say like, Hey, I really need this. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And I think that's really healthy too, because we can't, you know, we can't depend on our spouse again, to meet all of our needs, to be 
the end all be all of everything. Um, yeah, it, it is really beautiful. The, like the, the dynamics of marriage and how we can love and serve each other in a way that, you know, we're the only ones in that relationship. But I, I love, mm-hmm. like you were saying, it really highlights the way that friendships are important to cultivate um, and really to have those people in your life that it's like, oh, the gifts that you offer and the strengths and the skill set that you have is entirely different from mine. And I need to come and learn from you and grow in that way and just also experience the gift of those of those relationships. So Mm. that's really beautiful. Yeah, it is. So everyone listening, make sure you are tapping into that area, not just how can my marriage be better, but how can I be a better friend? And that's going to be being authentic. Like I said, knowing you can take a break And like Meredith is saying, like, don't put it all on your spouse, but then also like, how do you love your friend? Which that day I just was like, she's a two and she serves everybody. And you know what? I'm not going to give her the worst end of the stick here. (laughs) I overscheduled, but she's not going to pay for it. And so I think that like being a good friend means you do, you think of your friend's Enneagram type too, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I know a lot of people, it's like, well, my friends, they don't know what they are. They don't want to take a test. And yeah, I mean, it'd be great and helpful if everyone knew what it was and we could <laughs> like engage with each other. And also that's reality that like not everyone knows they're not going to take a test. Um, <laughs> but that is also the cool thing is that it's like, okay, well, you know, even if you didn't know that your friend was a two, it's like, okay, as a self-pressed seven, I have overextended myself today, regardless yeah. of like yeah. her type. How would anyone in a friendship want me to show up? Like, how would I want, <laughs> right. you know, if the roles were reversed, like how would I want that friend to show up at my house? And it really mm-hmm. gives you that that mm-hmm. growth path. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, it can be a really, can be a really neat way to grow and to also, yeah, just, just with your relationships really, yeah, to just grow in relationships in a way that's very, it's very like a mutually giving relationship. And it's not mm-hmm. like, yes, everyone has those days that you, you do, you need to show up and crash on your type two friends couch and just be like, listen, I, I'm just at my end. But also in those ways too, of like, mm-hmm. how can I also love and serve other people? And what, mm-hmm. what will that require of me in terms of, you know, accessing the, the healthier side um, when I am in a stressful situation or, or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. So don't lose your friendships just because you're like, we're different or they don't yeah. understand me like my spouse, but work at it a little bit because I mean, my daughter has a eight best friend, who, my four daughter. And when they were hitting their wall, I remember we had to sit down together and we almost lost this precious years and years of friendship because mm-hmm. my four was withdrawing a lot more, even though she's a social four, it's just not going to compare to your eight energy. (laughs) It was so beautiful when we were able to explain the differences together and then find a way for the eight to find other eights and then also maintain the best friendship with the four. So um, just, yeah, don't lose your spouse or your people because the rhythms are different. Just keep on adding other healthy relationships and you'll find a, a family to support yourself yeah. with. Yeah. Which, you know, it's like relationships really are our lifeblood and, and, and we need those so desperately. We need them for love and support and nurture. And we also need them to, we also need them for our own personal growth. Um, we weren't created to live in isolation. And I think the, I think the pandemic was the 
wildest social experiment that we will continue seeing the repercussions of. I don't mean, I don't mean to pan. That sounded like I'm like one of those people that thinks that it was like plain. I didn't yeah. <laughs> social experiment in that way. I just mean like, I think that because of what happened in 2020 and 2021 and how much isolation it forced everyone into, I think that we will continue to see for years, like the devastating effects of isolation. And that was something mm-hmm. that of us could control. We were forced into isolation. And so um, just now, you know, that we have the opportunity to connect in person, you know, with people. And even when you can't connect in person, there's always ways to connect virtually over the phone. Um, it, I think it just, it, connection is our lifeblood and it's so important. And the long, you know, the longer that you're in relationships with people, you know, like you and your husband or your daughter and her friend who've been friends for years, like you're going to come up on those hard spots in relationship. And we all have our tendencies and eights are like, you know, they're coming out of the gate and they're like, all right, let's, let's handle this. Let's take care of this. And it can feel really confrontational. And fours are like, oh no, I like need to like, I need some time. And, and yeah, yeah, you might need different things and it might take some time, but Mm -hmm. just knowing that that those relationships and that connection is, is worth it. Um, I think is really helpful to keep at the forefront when it does get tough in relationships. Um, cause Mm -hmm. how, you know, how sad would that be if we, just by choice or by default lived in isolation and disconnection from other people because we, because it was too hard or because we weren't willing to lean in and do the personal work that required, that was required um, Mm. to grow in that relationship. So. Mm, Thank you. That's a great reminder as we wrap up that, that having some faith that you can do this, that God will meet you right where you're in that space of like, there's no way I can do this in my marriage or my friendship. And that's the deep breath. That's a lot of the beautiful verses you included in your book, as well as I love the steps and the tips. So thank you so much, Meredith, for sharing this space with us today. Yes. Thank you for having me. This is so wonderful. Oh, I'm so glad. And let's make sure your book is on pre-order that people know how to connect with you and all of the wonderful resources you have, especially the book. Yes. Um, Well, you can find me on Instagram at Meredith W. Boggs. Um, That's also my website, MeredithWBoggs.com. And then my book is available for pre-order. It'll be officially released in January, but it's available for pre-order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, anywhere that you would buy books at. Oh my gosh. So exciting. I'm so happy for you and for us. Thank you. Yeah. This is so fun. I loved, loved getting to chat all things Enneagram and relationships and Jesus and all the things. Mm, Well, thank you. We did too. Have a wonderful day. Wasn't that awesome? One of my absolute favorite things about my work is that I get to meet with amazing people like Meredith, but to be honest, it's almost a little bit like that FOMO of the seven coming out where I'm like, oh my gosh, like she could be my new bestie. And then I'm like, stop, you don't even have time for your own besties, so stop. But still, it's always a dream. So I hope that you guys have such a fun day and felt that way too after listening to her. And I hope that if the book was helpful that you'll pre-order it. I know it's already been such a joy for me. I can't wait to get the hard copy in my hands this January. And most of all, thank you for listening. I'm so proud of you for doing your work. I hope it truly refreshes you for your week. I know it will. And don't forget your time as you get moving in your bodies 
to take some time with spiritual growth. I know you won't regret it and I won't either. You can find everything from Meredith in the show notes. And I hope that if you love this episode, you will leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Those reviews help other people to find the podcast. And it is so important to us over here. We just read each one and we're so appreciative. Even when you tell us how we need to grow. We're here for it all and we're doing our work right with you guys. Have a great day. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramAndMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.